Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash gender meowster and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. Content warnings for this episode include dysphoria, being misgendered, and personal experiences with detransitioning. So hi everyone, I'm Gender Meowster, I use they, them pronouns, and I will let my illustrious guest introduce herself. Hi, my name is Danielle Kennedy Gallion, and I go by Danny, and I use she, her pronouns as well. Yay. It's so, it's delightful to have you here, Danny. Congratulations on your recent move. Yes. We both moved. (laughs) And both streaming right after the move. How about that? We're just, we're doing the social media on hard mode. (laughs) It happens. Yay. I like to sync up with the host. That's the way that happens. (laughs) I'm getting very helpful feedback about my microphone volume from the Twitch chat. Thank you, everyone. As we just installed all the things, so... The distances are not perfect yet. So, Danny, I have so many questions for you today. I think some of the general topics we wanted to cover are trans community building, maybe talk a little bit about what it's like being intersex, and just the standard questions that I like to ask on Genderful. So, we will we'll start with, what are some things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be trans one day? Oh my God. <laughs> everything no so growing up it was i'm old back then the word transgender was not used and many slang words actually weren't either for the most part it was a time back when being transgender was associated with the uh, porn industry but so basically i knew that i was different I didn't know why i didn't really have a, a clue what was why i was feeling different not doing or not feeling what boys supposedly felt or not really what girls supposedly felt either so it was just a confusing time for me but i knew that there was there was something completely different and some of the likes and dislikes and and things that the boys went through that i didn't go through until a little bit later on was a, was a big sign that something was definitely different for me but i didn't really realize that i was transgender probably until a little bit later on in life it started off more as a cross-dressing at first and it wasn't anything that was like a turn on for me it was more comfortability and being in their clothes and then being or looking in the mirror and seeing myself as female so that's basically how it all started and came about and then there was one show that brought light to my eyes and i hope i'm not jumping ahead on this or whatever but one show that brought light to my eyes and it was on oprah winfrey and carolyn cossie or tula the transgender model from back in the day was a guest on there and was talking about her transition and all that portion. And it really brought a light to my eye that, hey, this might be what I, and this might be why I'm feeling this, so. That's so awesome. 
I love that there was some media representation that gave you a clue. In the 80s, no doubt. I yeah. was like, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Actually, I've never heard anyone mention that particular <laughs> Oprah episode. So it's cool that you... Stuck in my mind for sh- thir- over 30 years. For- yeah. It's like iconic. Mm-hmm. Turning point. How old were you when you saw that episode, if I'm allowed to ask? <laughs> no, you're allowed to ask. Let's see here. Teens. I I was more than likely twenties, seventeen, eighteen, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. it was my senior year of high school. So yes, eighteen. Wow, what a powerful thing to encounter, and that's such an important like life transition moment too, right? Like turning eighteen, yeah. po- possibly moving out of your parents' house or going to college or whatever you do. Right then, that's wow. What a time. So somehow you went from being this 18 year old, seeing this person on the television, I presume, probably all the streaming services there were then. So it's probably network TV. Well, we didn't have computers. Yeah, exactly. So you went from seeing this on TV to being this like wonderful, gorgeous trans woman on the show with me today. How did you get from point A to point B? What, how did your relationship with gender evolve over time? I put one foot forward. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just joking. So this was my this is my second transition. I transitioned for the first time back in 2001, and we can get into that a little bit later on. I had to detransition because a family deal, and I'll explain that later on, whatever. And then came back. It was really weird. I was recruited to work in California, and my third wife at the time. I'm giving all the good stuff today. Uh, Third wife at the time, actually, I was still in North Carolina, where I was living with her and married at the time. And she and so I came out to California to work because we were going to build up our little nest egg to buy a house already had land in Texas, we were moving back, stuff like that. It was then that my now ex-wife and one of my best friends told me, I think we need to separate because you're transgender and you need to transition and you need to have that freedom and time to transition. And though it broke my heart, I look back at it today and it was a changing point for me. So four years ago in California, I or or a little over four years ago now, in California. And I said, you know what, it's time. So I started the transition Mm -hmm. then and been transitioning for the last four years now. Wow. Four years. And that's quite a story. It's, it's common for people to realize they're trans and then have a divorce (laughs) or a breakup or whatever. It happened to my wife. It didn't happen to me though, because I Mm -hmm. married a trans person. (laughs) That's the smartest way to do it. Who knew I was non-binary? It was like, but now I'm going to start HRT. We've been married for 10 days. The dreams are coming. I don't know what to do with this. That's the way to do it. Just marry a transgender person at the beginning and all's good. So less explaining. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it's, I'm sorry that that happened to you. That sucks. When to go through that type of loss and grief on top of transition, it's such a it's such a burden to carry. Quite honestly, it gave me strength to who I am today. 
Yeah. And I am such, I, let, let me put it this way. My third ex, all three of my ex-wives know I'm transgender. I fought this for so many years to not be transgender. And my, this is the process or the, the finalization of an epic fell, but yeah, probably one of the best things in my life that has happened to me. Did any of your ex-wives end up being bisexual or lesbian in the long run? <laughs> they all married their lifelong partners now. So I don't remember, there was a movie, I can't remember what it was called, but when this one guy would date the, these women, they would get married right afterwards and find their soulmate. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive that I was that person just in real life. They have to have but someone no, to write those stories about. <laughs> yeah. And realistically, that's why I was divorced all three times. It was mainly that because they all three knew I just kept on... I was glutton for punishment, really. Okay. So is there any more specifics you'd like to get into about your coming out experience? You mentioned something happened in 2001, but then it got buried <laughs> and there's a whole journey there. Coming out experience yeah. and then getting into detransitioning and all the things. What is What happened there? Hope we can talk about that. This was, it was a really good time of my life. First of all, I work-wise, I was in an all... I was in a very male-dominated field and now have been for 28 years. But so it was really tough for me to come out. So realistically, what I did was I was transgender from the time I got off work until the time I had to go back to work at the time. But I was Mm -hmm. transitioning. I went, I started HRT back in 2001, was on it. I was on HRT for about six months. My second ex-wife, this was ex-wife number two, knew she was following everything. She actually, I have a, my son was three years old at the time. I do have a 24 year old son now, but he was three at the time. And excuse me, he, I was told that if I continue to transition, that she would take him away from me. Wow. So back then, really hard for a transgender woman to fight for that for any kind of custody or shared custody because this was classified as a mental illness Mm -hmm. and so i didn't have a leg to stand on so i one day i just sat there and i went okay what am i going to do i can continue but i can't because it's my son so i detransitioned to appease that side. I like to say it was for my son, but then again, maybe I wasn't just fully ready because I wasn't ready for that fight. But yeah, so I did. I detransitioned. I didn't. I there was. I started HRT a long time ago. There was development then. The weird thing that it was is when I went to go check my levels. Then my estrogen levels were slightly higher than my testosterone levels, and I was twenty nine. I was like, so either I had low T to begin with, or something was differently was going on. Come to find out last year, it was something different (laughs) Uh, for sure. But yeah, that's basically how that happened. I loved my life. I was a big, I lived in Texas at the time. I grew up in Texas. There was a, there was a, a big community there, not as big as now. Still a lot of hiding, a lot of head butting between community back then and the LGBT community. And, but I was a, I was thriving in the community back then and actually started doing a lot of uh, work with the trans community back then too. Back in 2001. Mm, 2001. Wow. Wow. 
So you've been very community minded about trans people for 20 years or more. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. I love it. This community is, it's something else for a high school kid who played football and baseball and did everything that I could to make that male masculinity show and express and be prominent. This community has just shown me that I didn't have to hide anymore. So yeah, that was the good part. One of the, one of the things that I love about doing this talk show is it's documenting our stories so that our communities can find each other and it normalizes all these experiences. You have people who, like you talked about seeing that Oprah thing. Like for some people, maybe they stumble upon this podcast and realize like, oh, there's so many possibilities. There's so many ways to be trans. Wow. (laughs) It's cool. It's super cool. So you mentioned that you mentioned a lot of things that I want to dig into all of them. (laughs) But for whatever reason, my brain is sticking on you talking about being uh, pretty low testosterone. And I asked you before the show if you were on Spiral because we were trying to figure out if we needed bio breaks or not. And I wonder if you could share with other folks where you landed on the Spiro quest. So when I, I've been on HRT now this time for two years, a little over two years. It was two years in March. I'm sorry. Yeah. Two years in March. So a little over two years now. And my endocrinologist and I did my levels first. We talked because she said, Danny, you're, was 40, what, 48 at the time? So she said, it's just really weird. You have it, your testosterone levels are tremendously low. Not low T low, but like female low. And I went, that's different. Because we wanted to get the medication, I made a decision to do a, a test to test out my chromosomal makeup, had that done. It's very costly because insurance did not cover that. Oh, wow. uh, so it wasn't a life-threatening thing. Although if I would have taken the medication that I did, it might've been, yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't classify it like that. So I went and got those done and found out that I have an extra chromosome. So I have the XXY chromosome syndrome and some 23 chromosomes. And my uh, makeup was more of uh, intersex classification. It was at that time that it was decided Spiro was not needed because mm-hmm. I didn't have much testosterone to begin with. It was really weird. I can grow a beard, but everything else was gone. I don't have an Adam's apple. Never did. Nice. Never have one. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my features were already female. My mind was already female. Mm-hmm. It was just, I, I actually, all my ex-wife go, oh, now we know why you know how to decorate and <laughs> how to shop or to shop or That's whatever. So, <laughs> so yes, it was all true. It was all true. And I was like, just not gay, but maybe a little bit transgender. How about that? <laughs> so it was, yeah, it's exactly. And I n- never said no to the dress. That's for sure. But anyway, I thrived on it. I took into that consideration that you know, being intersexed was was a part of who I was. I'm still looking in and learning a lot of things about it. I want to be a voice one day for the intersex community because I believe that intersex people are left out of a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, transgender people. They're changing but intersex people can't help it. It's something that they're born with. And so they're left out of a lot of conversation, although maybe it's a little bit easier. 
but I don't also use it as an excuse either. I, I advocate for the transgender community regardless. And being intersexed is just an umbrella portion of whom I am. And perhaps one day I can be that voice for them. Love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. For those who are looking into, was that karyotyping that you had done? Yes, karyotyping. Is that in the hundreds, thousands, or tens of thousands of dollars if someone wants to pay out of pocket for that? Um, I will. You know what? I'm not afraid to tell you. It, it, there was two tests in that karyotyping uh, makeup, and it was $14,000 for me out of pocket. Wow. That's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. That's like a a car. Yeah, pretty much. I guess a, <laughs> a Mini Cooper. Car. It depends on where you get it from, too. If it's at the yeah. West Coast, you're getting a VW uh, Bug from 1967. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you know that. As a totally mostly random side note, are you into cars? So, are, you, are you a car gal? I really not really to be honest with you i'm from texas so i like trucks i'm a trucker i am a trucker i am a four-wheel drive trucker as a matter of fact i own an f-250 that says i actually added stickers to the back and says girls drive trucks too i don't do a lot of four-wheel driving or anything like that but i do I, i don't anymore i used to as a younger adult i think i grew up since then but now i just use it basically i have a 36 foot travel trailer so that's the reason why i have a big truck still as nice. well. I love that. My my dad has had this long-term plan of gifting me his 1969 Ford Camper Special, whatever mm. the heck that truck is. It's like super orange. Yes. <laughs> Metal body. It's got a it's got a power outlet in the back to plug in if you have a like yes. over the tailgate camper mm-hmm. thing. So we'll see. He's been telling me he's going to give it to me since I was in high school, but he's very attached to the truck. So more to be revealed. <laughs> that would be a call. That would I, be a call. I finally have truck. enough room to park it and then we could get a trailer and go camping in it and stuff is our, one of our dreams. So I'm selling a camper. Are you ready? No, it's good. Okay. So you started transitioning in 2001, then you had to detransition to have access to your kids or kid, singular, 24 year old kid now. Like, what was it like detransitioning and did it work? Did you retain access to your kid or did you detransition and then also still lose your kid? Like, how did that part go? So I detransitioned, kid went fine. It was like being a regular divorced dad. It was then that I kept on telling myself, yeah, I'm not ready for this whole transitioning thing. And I'm not ready to do this. And I don't want to do this and blah, blah, blah. So it worked to where I was in NFF to get married again, because I thought I had it licked in the bud, but it just really wasn't. But yeah, it, I, I didn't have any problems with it. I, I missed it. I missed the community and not being a prominent part of it daily. So it was a little bit different for me in that. But I did get to watch my son grow up, got to watch him graduate high school, got to watch graduate college now, and also got to watch him get engaged. So it has been amazing to at least have that portion in my life. And if I gave something up back then, it was worth giving up for. Wow. That's cool that you got to see your kid get engaged. Yeah. I I love that. It's amazing. What would you like the viewers to know about detransitioners, people who choose to go back in the closet for one reason or another, or maybe 
detransition for other reasons too, right? There's a lot of different reasons to do that. So one thing that was really hard is depression really hit in big time. There would be times that I would be fine and I would be, I'd be happy or I get in that relationship and go, oh yeah, this is what's right for me. And this woman is right for me. And so I would do that and I would get into these six months into the relationship probably depression hit hard, really hard. The effects that HRT did, everything subsided a bit except for breast growth. Because I was intersexed, I was not able to get rid of the breast tissue that I had grown. Mm. And I already had some pre-HRT anyway. So for me to, so that was a little bit hard on me only because I couldn't really go out with it without a shirt. So I'd go swimming with shirt and stuff like that. And just look like man breast at the time is what they would they would classify him as but yes the depression was really tough i really missed the community i felt out of place but i kept on telling myself that i'm doing this just for my son that got me through a lot of things the love of my son and watching him grow into the man that he is today has just been the epitome of my life and still my world today i gave it up for a good reason i wish i didn't have to yeah, I hear that. How was it different coming out the second time than the first time if you did come out? Well, so much easier. Mm -hmm. I'm older, wiser, uh, more prominent in uh, life, better head on my shoulders, got all that partying out of my way. So I really, I really dug in and I really focused on my transitioning, decided I've been single for four years now and I decided that I didn't want to have a relationship until I got into transitioning and got it to a good place where I'm fine. And then we'll see, although I'm really happy being single. <laughs> so it's not too horrible. Although it gets lonely a little bit, but I'm still okay if it's if that's the way it's supposed to be. But we'll see. <clears throat> but it was really better. It was easier. It took away all my depression. I have I I went to work. I told them work was great with it. As a matter of fact, they said, yes, love it. Can't. We're just glad you're staying with us. Once all that happened, my dysphoria went away. I don't have dysphoria anymore. I live my life. California is an incredible place for transgender people. I, nobody bats an eye. I've never had any animosity here whatsoever since I've uh, transitioned the second time. So friends are amazing. The friends that I had back in the old days and all my friends from 40 years plus back then are all on board. Nice. Not one of them has batted an eye since I've done it. So the only people that have are my immediate family. Mm -hmm. They decided, nah, it's not for them. Yeah. But I'm okay. You're great. Also, I don't know if you're seeing all the love you're getting in the chat, but there's a lot of people who think you're great and are so glad that you're here today. My next, I have two more sort of intersex related questions and then we can pivot to some other topics. What trans experiences are different for intersex folks than those of dyadic folks? You mentioned, you alluded earlier to, there's not a ton of intersex representation within the trans community and wanting to be, lift some of those issues up. I wonder, can you be more specific for those who maybe just don't well, know? 
intersexed people, it's different for everybody. Let me first and foremost say that how people are affected by HRT, regardless of being intersexed or not, there are different qualities in each side. So with that being said, it was easier for myself when I don't have an Adam's apple and I don't have to take care of that. Or breast growth was very quick and easy and prominent, a lot more prominent. I think that they're left out because there's some certain physical traits that we don't go through. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go through because we're on that border. We're on that spectrum right there in between being one gender or another that it's a lot easier for us to transition some, although it does not affect your voice. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> wish I wish that was better. I have to work on that a little bit more. But other than that, everything else has been really amazing transitioning wise. And I think it would be easier than me transitioning from the full male mode to this mode now. Awesome. You're so cool. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So the last question I have on this topic is what would you like viewers to know about being intersex? Is there anything we left out or that you wanted to make sure you mentioned about this piece? I, I see this on my server all the time and I talk to people on my server all the time. And the one big thing that people are intersex people are experiencing or they talk to other people about is how they are being left out of the transgender umbrella because of jealousy or possibly what some people call an abnormality for us is really a unique characteristic is what I like to call it. And I talk to intersex people all the time and they're very, they get laughed at all the time or they get ridiculed because of who they are and how they look. And we're embarrassed with more stuff growing up, trying to be one gender or another, and then sometimes not even coming into our own until later on in life, because that becomes more prominent later than it does at the beginning. So I really feel like just the group itself, intersex people themselves, I don't want them to think that they're freaks of nature because it's really not the case. What it is, you are unique, you are beautiful and you're valid and you're put in this world to be exactly who you are. And I always tell them, represent yourself how, but be proud of however you represent yourself. When I was a young person, perhaps in my 13, 14 year old, I don't know, I was in middle school. I don't know how old I was, middle school, 12, whatever. I started growing this hair that's way down here on my neck and I started growing breast tissue at the same time. And so I I was growing girl parts, but also I had this body hair that was like, what is that about? And I remember the kids in, I distinctly remember I was in the library and these kids were relentlessly teasing me about it. In like, I remember where I was standing in the library. I remember almost nothing else about middle school, but that one piece, like being teased about the hair on my neck. And yes, I was diagnosed with PCOS later in my life. And I learned that a lot of transmasculine people tend to have PCOS. And there's this piece where it's, you have an abnormally high amount of testosterone in your body for an assigned female at birth person. And who knows if I may also be intersex, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's just so there was just so many um, 
thing. I, I had one thing that was really prominent that was really different back then is I had bladder infections a lot as a kid and I was a male. My kidneys were fine, but I would have bladder infections all the time. Very abnormal for a male to have that. And I was a frequent flyer at the uh, urologist quite a bit as a young kid. And they didn't put two and two together. I don't know that I told my parents um, that I was intersexed and they said, oh, that's why. And I said, no, that's not why. That's why you're changing. No, it's not why. But it's, it's, I, I don't, like I said, I don't like to use them as an excuse. I love who I am. I love who I portray. I love, you know, I love talking to people. I love getting that uh, portion, that community and telling them, hey, look, uh, be happy because um, it's going to be okay. It's definitely going to be okay. Yeah. It is going to be okay. <laughs> what if it already is okay? That's something I like to tell some of my friends, what if it already is okay? So we have a question from the chat. A trans capybara asks, Danny, I'd like to hear your thoughts on non-consensual surgeries on intersex folks. I'm assuming that uh, Cappy is asking about when intersex babies are born with ambiguous genitals and then doctors decide to make a decision right then. So Cappy, that's a hard stance. I think the consensual part is the main keyword Um, that we talk about. And we're seeing it right now in our transgender teens and all these politicians and all these parents are saying that young kids don't know what's going on. They don't understand themselves. They don't understand their thoughts, feelings, bodies, stuff like that. I don't agree with unconsensual altercations at all. If it's for the good of the person, I think think after some therapy and a big discussion because you can't just have your parents go yeah this is what's going to happen to you regardless i think it's sad because a lot of people that i know that were intersexed and had this unconsensual altercations done later reverted back to the opposite gender than what their parents were thinking so yeah i think that decisions should be left up individually. I hate it because we're doing this, we're doing this big humanity fight for transgender youth right now in the United States. And I really feel like they're getting the short and raw end of the deal as well. But parents play a big part in this. And unfortunately, parents have the final word on a lot of stuff. Although we're trying to make them aware that your child is valid, your child is, it can be heard. Doesn't matter what age they are. So I I think it's very true for intersex people as well. I don't think there's any difference in that whatsoever. Yeah. I I have known intersex people that have had a lot of resentment and feelings about being surgically altered as babies because, I don't know, for me, like when I had my top surgery, I actually had two surgeries. I had a reduction and then later I had my top surgery. And when I had the reduction, I lost complete and total nerve sensation in my nipples in my chest and the doctor like vaguely mentioned that was a possibility but didn't say this is definitely going to happen and so i like lost this thing that was very important to me and i can't imagine being a child and having my bottom pieces messed with and then just never having sensation because what if the doctor hacks it up that's it's yeah i have i can find rage (laughs) about that. Yeah. I don't get rageful about many things, but that is one thing that is just, whew, 
I can get real spicy real fast. That's true. Although I feel like I wish my parents would have known and made that decision for me a long time ago. And then I wouldn't have had to worry about all this. But then again, I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I did. Well, I'm so glad that you are here with us talking about all the things. So to transition, if you will, to a different topic for a moment, you mentioned that you are in a male, pretty predominantly male dominated field. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about what do you do for work? Yes. So for 20, it'll be 28 years in July, 27 and three quarters. We just got to add that in. I have worked as a lineman. I worked on power poles. So I climbed poles, did all the physical demanding work that linemen do. I have been part of the IBEW uh, union for over 28 years now, or almost 28 years now as well. But I've worked outside, inside, state to state. I've actually been electrocuted one time, which is something uh, different too. <laughs> it's a, it doesn't bother me actually. It was very, it's actually pretty cool because there's things to that whatever, but we'll, we'll come back to that if need be. But I've worked at, in this field for over, almost over 28 years. I'm working on the 28th year and I can't wait to retire, <laughs> to be honest. But I love it. What I thought was going to be a big obstacle in the road to transitioning turned out to be not a big deal at all. What's, no, I don't do the physical work anymore. I'm a manager now. I mean, I'm actually in the engineering as opposed to the power distribution department now, although they still ask me. And so in my company, I am the only transgender woman out of 1,500. And I'm also the only transgender and female in my department who is a manager. Wow. That's wild. Demona Peacock Kitty says, okay, I absolutely want to hear the electrocuted story. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer on this. Probably. I don't know. This is, and I'll it doesn't bother ouch. me. Yes, it's an ouch. So 18 years into this, so almost 10 or over 10 years ago now, 18 years into this, I was in an underground transformer that was mismarked. Mm. And in the face-to-face -face electrical voltage was 12,470 volts. So I was in there. I was, we were actually, we we're finishing up for the weekend. We we're about to go on a long weekend. So we threw in everything the guys got it ready i came over i started doing the work and come to find out that it was electrocuted because i was in series with the 12,470 volts wow. at the time I, when you're in series you, you can't feel it your eyes jolt all over the place and it jolts you around what it did was it made me hit a telephone pedestal which is just a little telephone box that's out there and when I hit that, that immediately went to ground. And then, and so that was 77,200 volts. And when that does go to ground like that, it makes a very big fiery ball. And wow. so I had second degree burns on my face, neck and chest, and actually had third degree electric burns on my hands. But I made a full recovery with just a little bit of scarring on my chest. And now it's a... And they really didn't feel like they thought they were going to have to graft on my face and everything like that. But it actually oh made a full recovery. I'm so glad that you made a recovery. My goodness. Yes. Capybara is asking how many amps. A lot of amps. <laughs> As amps are, are the resistance on it. I don't, it varies uh, depending on, actually the amps will vary depending on what is on that day. It was a very hot day. It was in Ohio and I 
pretty positive it was during the summer and I think the temperatures were well over 90 something degrees. So there was probably quite a few, there was probably quite a few air conditions on. So I would imagine that the amps would be pretty high at that time. Wow. Demona says, oh my goodness, someone was looking out for you. You must have unfinished business or something. So, yeah, (laughs) I'd like to say that it scared the trans out of me, but I don't know. I think maybe that's why my hair is gray. No, I'm just joking. It's gray because I'm 50. Uh, Mm. But anyway, I just, it, it, it was a turning point in my career because I was wondering if the PTSD would set in for me to get back on working with the line. And to be honest with you, as soon as I made my recovery, I was ready to go back to work. And I did. Wow. Way to get back on that horse. My goodness. I I don't know if it was or not. (laughs) When I retire, I'm going to say no, it was not to go back. (laughs) It's a thought that actually I have a tattoo on my arm that I have that date tattooed on there. So I can look down and remember and remind myself that it was one day that I didn't do things. Although I don't necessarily, it wasn't deemed necessarily my fault. It's still, I should have taken more precautions. So what was it, how has it been transitioning on the job? Have your coworkers been accepting? Has there been eyebrows, weird conversations? This is the best story in the world, by the way. I made this transition into um, the engineering department only because of the knowledge that I have. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've worked at throughout a almost 28 year career. I've probably been on storm working all over 50 to 60 utility companies. Wow. So I've seen everything all over the United States. I've worked in every portion of the South, North, now the West Coast and the East Coast. So I've been on all four coasts to work and do electric work. My company, when I came out, had no transgender standards. Mm-hmm. So my HR director and I wrote them for our company together. Nice. I thought that was really cool. That was the first thing. The second thing was I, I was told by my supervisor and a couple of other higher ups that they were just happy that I didn't leave and go to another company because that's what a lot of transgender do, people do is they don't want to be embarrassed in that and they take off, they go to another company and transition before they start over there. They were very excited that I didn't. I was afraid that I was going to lose. I didn't, I wasn't afraid I was going to lose my job. I was going to, I was afraid that I was going to lose my respect Mm -hmm. because I was, I was a utility manager, supervisor at one time, a project manager many times. I was the go-to person for questions and I thought that I would lose that respect but in retrospect, I, re- I gained more because I actually came out, did this in a, in a pretty much male-dominated field. I had the CEO directly email me and call me and thank me for, for staying with the company and told me that if there was anything that I ever needed to let him know that he was happy and glad for me to be there. And of course, I cried. I now have 15 guys that work for me. And all, some linemen, some not, but all are extremely protective over their manager. I don't know if they're doing it because of their, (laughs) because they don't want to get fired, which I wouldn't fire anybody for that, but they've learned. I'm the same person. I dress differently. I might shop a little bit more than I did back then, 
but I'm still the same person and I still have the same knowledge no matter whether I am female or male. And I've always had a female brain. So that's never changed. I love that. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Capybara mentioned in the chat. That's so cool, Danny. I'd really like to talk to you in DMs about writing the trans white paper for your workplace because she has played a role in writing a white paper for a major tech company that she works for. There was That was a lot of fun. I was really excited about that. And my, my company has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. That's so rad. I love that. Is there anything else you want to say about working while trans or shall we switch to talk about community stuff? Yeah, it's not good to wear heels outside. No, I'm just joking. Actually, it's don't, really it's Don't really wear heels cool. in the cherry picker, everyone. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Because you, yeah, there's no ground on there. No, they're not rubber. Hmm. Um, unless you wear wedges with a little rubber sole. I got a few of those, but no. <laughs> Work has been amazing. I actually interact with people every single day, customers every single day. And they, so I'll call them before I go on their, to their, to their land and they go, oh, yes, sir. Come on up. And I'm like, ooh, okay, sir. Okay. So I get up there and then I get out of the car and they go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because yeah, my voice doesn't sound female yet, but when they see me, they go, geez, Okay. Uh, voice doesn't match the look, but they've been nothing but very <laughs> respectful. And uh, actually, the other the other day is a real quick good story. Credit card company kept on telling me, "Yeah, can you tell me your name?" Because my credit cards, I still are having trouble getting them over to my new name for almost a year now. And they go, so I tell them my name, and then they go, "Yes, ma'am. I I see that you have that. Yes, ma'am." And I kept on going. Mm. But they kept on calling me by my name, but they kept on saying, yes, ma'am. And I was like, I don't know whether to feel good or bad about this. <laughs> I was happy and then sad at the same time. But yeah, it's it was it was awesome. Interesting. Happy's joking in the chat. Line woman brand steel toed pumps now in purple, <laughs> not steel, something non-conductive. I do have extra purple thick boots. rubber or something. Yes. Yeah. I love the purple boots. I have purple boots <laughs> and I have a pink. I actually have a, a pink uh, vest. That's so rad. High visibility vest. I love that it's pink. Okay, so our next topics are trans community building and then some more info about the transverse, which is mm-hmm. how I met you. Danny, for those listening to the podcast later, would you describe your outfit today? Yes, I actually have I have black leggings on today, which are my comforts. <laughs> my comforts, nice. pants for sure. I do have a, a, a sleeveless top it is a lower cut with straps and strings coming on it yeah, i really like colors. it because, like because purple, um, pink and white. yes pink is my favorite color and uh, so i do have an overlay pink sweater on as well because it's still not 80 or 70 degrees here in california yet so mm-hmm. um at least up here in the foothills it isn't but yes that's what i'm that is my outfit today and yes you're right it's white blue pink little purple on it. One of my go-to shirts as, as the comfort is amazing. That's so much. So let's talk about community. Sometimes communities have babies like baby kittens. Sometimes we give each other fashion advice or fashion right. tips. <laughs> what are, so talking about trans community building, what are some experiences 
that you've had building community in person. So you've talked about you've done in-person community work and you've done online community work. So let's start with in-person because I think that's maybe older, more like you've had, you've done that more. Now I am, I actually, I live in a place in Northern California. Actually, I live close to Sacramento. And what I have been doing for the past three years is I was helping facilitate uh, support groups for one was near and dear to my heart for trans teens and parents, which I really love. And I'm still doing to this day. Actually, we just came back from COVID. So we're now actually allowed to meet face-to-face again. I'm also doing a support group here in the little town that I live in, up in the foothills. And um, and it's a support group for all transgender people, all LGBTQIA plus individuals. So we have a huge array of people just around here in the foothills that are in in my town is very trans friendly, very LGBTQIA friendly too. So they're pretty, it's pretty cool. It's an old mining town, really cute place. I also am getting back into with the Sacramento Gender Health Center. I'm going to start facilitating support groups there as well. I'm working on when that's going to happen. And then because they're, they moved a new program now so i don't know exactly when where how what yet but i do know that it is coming down the pipe but i've already got two of them that i do here i'm also on the now on the planning committee in in my little town placerville where i live for the placerville pride parade that we'll be having this year and representing the transgender people in that are the transgender side or one of the people representing the transgender side for that. And hopefully we'll bring the transverse into that eventually as well. That's so awesome. Love that. Beyond that, I mentor about eight transgender people that are just now starting off on their journey. That's so cool. They call me all the time, (laughs) but I love it. I help them as much as I can. That's so great. I love that. You also build community online. And what has that journey and experience been like for you? Yeah, I started off as doing support groups online as well. And then I was drawn to a show on Twitch called Quarantine Kitchen. Mm. And I don't know if you remember seeing that or others remember seeing that. It was done on Instagram, but it was um, also shown on uh, Transverse Twitch. I would go watch that all the time, and then I found the Transgender Show, and this was, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I guess, when all this happened, and I haven't looked back since, actually. I got in to the Transverse, met up with Emily and Charlotte and Rosa and Jeannie, and I immediately helped with um, support resources to start off with quickly became a mod on their twitch channels as i watched every show still do and then they put me as the manager of the mods so i did the mods for their discord server and for their twitch station and now i'm the community director of the community executive director of the community there now so i run the whole discord i i don't run the mods run themselves i Mm -hmm. just talk to them. That's it. (laughs) I want to be, I try to be friendly with them. 
when somebody has to make the hard decisions, that's all I do. But beyond that, they're incredible. I love doing it. I We're venturing out now even further, working the transverse into some other places. And we're with the Pittsburgh Health or Transgender Pittsburgh Health Conference for Transgender People, cool. which is a wellness, it's a wellness transgender conference that happens in, in Pittsburgh, but it's going to be aired virtually this year. And uh, the transverse is going to help with that and participate in it as well. I think I'm going to be speaking over there on either community intersex or both, I think, quite honestly. But this is a three-day conference that is internationally known now and growing bigger and stronger. So I'm getting my hands in as much as I can. I'm also uh, part of the board of the IBEW Coalition. It's a di- another Discord server. I just got voted to the board last week, actually. So what that does is it's going to be trans equality rights in the IBEW union for electrical workers. That's so cool. I love it. Let's see. So what are some of the major differences that you've noticed between building community in person versus online? Oh, I I like, it's actually been... I don't think it's any harder either way. To interact with people, yes, it's a little bit harder because you're not seeing people face-to-face every day. You can't read those, that body language or see their facial expressions and stuff like that unless you get on a video chat with them, in which case I love to do because I can actually talk faster than I can type. And these things don't help with typing whatsoever. Acrylic nails, though. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Sparkle glittered silver color. Sparkle, mm-hmm. sparkle nice. glitter. So I, I I find the personal interaction better because I really love to see people in their elements. And I think that people seeing me, I'm doing this, I'm out there doing all this stuff for community online and in person. I didn't want to be this big star. I'm there to inspire people. That's it. So if this show inspires one person who might be my age that, hey, yeah, you can transition, you can go from male to female, and you can successfully do it in all aspects of your life, it makes me happy. What surprises you about community building? Surprises. Oh, gosh. It's not easy. The hardest part is you can't please everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part. You've got so many people either in your online server, you got so many people at your support group or so many people that are like watching this today. It's hard to make everybody content and feel complete and done. Although we attempted as much as possible. I'm that person that wants to help the world, but I know that the whole world can't be helped and I might not be the one to do it, but I'm certainly going to give it my all in order to try, but I really feel that, I really feel that it's really important to uh, try to be there, try to be the support, the crutch, the love, and give them a place to, to be themselves. I think that's the most important part. What are the greatest challenges that you faced building a community? Oh my gosh. You probably already know one because it just happened, but there is a lot of new stuff coming out new we're in an age of neo pronouns and i 
think every time that I turn around and sneeze, a new one comes out. So I'm having to really update my repertoire of that to keep up with it. Just focusing on people alone and um, their everyday lives and everything like that. It's really changed a lot since back in 2001. It's more prominent. The good thing is, is we have this internet now and it really helps people come out, but it also helps them stay hidden some too if they want to. So it's been challenging just to just to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, with everything that changes in this community. It's it's not like it used to be. It used to be, hey, you were female and or male and that's mm-hmm. it. That's all you can you can be bisexual, you can be gay, you can be lesbian, you can be transgender. But that was it. It didn't go yeah. beyond that. Like I don't four, know the four letters in the alphabet mafia. Yes. Instead of the slew of letters we have now. Yes. We got, I'm pretty positive it's 775 now. No, I'm just joking. I don't even know. I try to keep up on it. And whenever uh, something new comes out, I try to educate myself because I want to know more about it. I want to be more educated about it. Mm -hmm. And because I may come across that again at a different time. And I want to know how to make sure that I have the spoons to take care of that Yeah. next time. That's something that I really admire about you, Danny, is when you encounter something that you, you feel like you don't understand, you take time to one, go ask people with more expertise than you to learn about it. And two, when you're given resources to teach yourself, you actually sit down and take notes and learn. Like you, you take the time to do it. It's not just like, yeah, it's, you actually actively engage in a process of learning, which I think is really admirable and cool because at no point in our lives will we ever know everything. And I appreciate that at 50 years old, you can still learn new tricks. Always. <laughs> you, you can teach this dog new tricks all you want to. So actually, and that's something that's really important to me and everything like that is I, I don't claim to know everything. As a matter of fact, I've got flaws just like everybody else does. Yeah. Um, I just know how to hide them better because I'm yeah. older and I've been hiding them for a long time. No, I do have flaws, but I try to envision myself in their position. I, I think about, I, I think that's when my whole intersex portion comes back to my brain because it's, mm. I, I want people to educate themselves on me and not have me do it unless they really want me to, mm-hmm. but I would rather them do it and learn for themselves and that's what i try to take on i as i want people to understand my intersex being intersex or transgender i want to understand what these other people are going through that have different traits and qualities and uniqueness more than myself yeah yeah it's so cool that you take the time to get the download in your brain <laughs> we have a question from the chat nick creative 89 asks you do so much for others what do you do for you yeah. I am, I, I don't know. I love doing for others. No, I do take time for myself. It's, that's, a, that's touchy. It took me a long time to convince myself that I was able to help inspire people. And it took me a long time to convince myself that my friends would be okay with me transitioning. My work would be okay with me transitioning. It took a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of pressure. And I just went, you know what? Let's go for the gusto. It's time to do it. 
let's do this, let's do that. Let's just start it off. Even if you start off small, it's a small step in the right direction. For myself, I take time for myself. I, I really enjoy hanging out with my friends. I really enjoy times away from the community portion to actually be in a life, in a life situation. Mm-hmm. Even though it might be with community people, birthday parties or going out for a social event or actually just getting together to have a barbecue. I play I play D&D on Friday nights and I'm the only transgender person out of six and they're all cisgender. That for me is my time to, to shine and just be considered one of the girls. That's it. Mm-hmm. Love that. You brought up D&D. So now we have many more questions. Oh, um, my God. How long have you been playing with your group? And what is your character that you play? Or are you the DM? Um, okay, so I'm not the DM. I I got too much going on my plate to be a DM because you got to do a lot of stuff yeah, beyond do. that. I used to run um, two games a week. It was a lot. Yes, it's <laughs> uh, too much. I have DM'd before. I've been playing now for over 40 years. My group that I'm playing with now are all California, except for one. One is a girlfriend and she lives in Colorado, but all the other ones are California residents. We've been playing together now for three years and the same campaign for three years. And so now we're at level 13. That's so cool. And this girl plays a rogue assassin. Yeah, and of course she you do. is awesome. <laughs> okay, is but awesome. are you a human rogue assassin or a halfling rogue assassin? Like I'm actually a drow nice. rogue assassin. I love it. I like playing tabaxi rogues. Oh <laughs> my gosh. So fast. They're so fast. It's ridiculous. I am usually a paladin. I'm a, a paladin is my go-to. I love paladins. I'm just like, <laughs> whatever, throw the holiness at them. I started playing this rogue assassin three years ago and I absolutely love it. Just every portion of it. I love when the DM goes, okay, can you give me a stealth check? I was like, yeah, do you, uh, do you really feel like um, with all these modifiers that I'm going to not be stealth? Because it's like a plus 17 that I have right now mm-hmm. um, on the modifier alone. So there's no it's way I can, get, I can get a natural run and it'll still be an 18 with yeah. the modifiers. So yeah. I'm pretty stealthy <laughs> and I love it. Fast, stealthy, and assassin. Mm. So fun. It is fun. Very people, fun. People in the chat are saying keeping a game together that long is impressive. <laughs> yeah, we're that's the best part. First and foremost, we're friends. And I think that makes for a good campaign. It makes for a humbleness. But I will tell you this, in three years, I know exactly what every character is going to do now. It's like working with somebody and you take that person in and after a few years, you start gelling together. Take, for instance, my job, we go in a bucket truck, two people go up there, they got to do work that coincide with each other all the time. The more you are, the longer you work with somebody, the more you're going to be more confident in them. They're going to be more confident in you and you're going to go faster and better and make the right decisions. So this has been an incredible adventure for me on that. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. All right. So I have four transverse specific questions. So obviously moderation is important, especially in a trans community, especially in a public facing trans community. How do you handle moderation in your assorted online communities? I love, love, I don't know how many that is, my moderators. I, I 
what I like to do, I'm not that person that wants to tell somebody, this is how you have to do it, or this is how you have to moderate. I think being a moderator on a server is a personal thing because we're all gonna have differences in how we moderate or how we look at people or how we talk to people, mm -hmm. how we interact with them, how we type, how we you know, look, whatever. So I basically leave it up to them. I don't, I give them a guideline and say, look, this is not written laws, just a guideline in case you're ever lost. Here's some helpful hints. I leave my DMs open, especially for, I think it's really good. A lot of people say, yeah, you being the community director should not be friends with your moderators. And I say, fooey on that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> me and a tremendous amount of the moderators will get together. We'll have a voice chat and we have the most fun doing just that. There's just all this love and hey, we could talk shop for 10 minutes and then we can play around for two hours. It's been amazing. I got to know Rosa a lot better because of that. Just one night, me, Rosa and Mira and four hours worth of voice chat. It's been an absolutely amazing time with it. So I don't like to stamp the hammer. I think that I think that moderators ought to do what they do. If something is a little bit off, we'll have a conversation about it. I'll just suggest something. But for the most part, they know what to do. They're grown. I don't need to babysit them. That's yeah. for certain. Wonderful people, by the way. We have some incredible mods. Yeah, you totally have incredible mods. Also, so does this channel. We're very oh, lucky yes. to have our mods. We have Discord mods. We have Twitch mods. It's wonderful. I one, one learning curve for me in the last three to six months has been if I notice something happening in the community and I say to the mods, I notice this, can someone take care of it? They will just go do a thing. But I'm not asking enough questions. I'm not asking, what do you all think about this? Do we need to take action on this or not? And so I've actually needed to like back up and be like, I noticed this, what do you all think? And have a conversation instead of just being like, here's a to-do list item, someone can you go do the thing? And so it, we've had a moment or two in the last year where we have over-moderated and then had feelings and needed to pull back and apologize. We've done the same thing. Yeah, and it's tricky finding the balance. I'll just be honest, it is hard to find that balance. And the reason we have a moderated community is it's we're full of trans and gender diverse people. Like we have to keep the space safe and secure as much as possible for the folks in there. And we're all trying our best. And sometimes it's messy because community is messy. But I think for the most part, if we have put our foot in, in the proverbial poop, we apologize. <laughs> And yeah, own what we did course. and try to forge our way together as a community. And the one thing that you can do is you can correct it, but you can, but, um, and I tell my mods this all the time. I said, you know what, this is a learning experience, not only for you, but for all of us. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I do like you, I make suggestions. I ask for suggestions all the time. How can we change this? What can we do for this? What, how should we go about this. This is how I feel, but I don't want to make this decision without getting your input. Mm -hmm. So we do that a lot. We do a little bit of input on, on a lot of things. And one thing that we have is a headquarters over there and where we, we collaborate over there quite a bit, just to, one, it gives two things. It gives us a break from the discord server itself mm -hmm. to get over and chat amongst ourselves. And for two, it makes for a better, more, what am I trying to say? It's more, yeah. It's just more 
concentrated where we can do a lot more business over there than making a whole bunch of channels in the uh, Discord server that would uh, take away from the members instead. And we can do a lot of work over there. It'd be more organized. That's what I was trying to say. Give us a little bit more organization. So I do love that system. And I just love, I'm like you, I'm like, hey, what can we do about this? What can, how can we do this better? Let's talk about this later on, or let's talk about this now and get an idea of what we need to do. So it's worked out perfectly. Mm-hmm. How do you <laughs> recruit moderators? How do you find people that want to help and contribute and participate in those ways? <laughs> As hard as it is to get moderators, it's, it's for, happened. Uh, like it's uh, happened several times. So how did you have? How do you? How did you do it? What you do is you find the person that's been on so many times on your Twitch, and then you go, "Oh, that person be great because they're here all the time." No, I. We did go through a little process. Realistically, I believe in people. I believe in. I believe people have a good side to them. I think put into a position like a moderator tends to make them better sometimes because they're actually. And, and I don't need them to know how to be a moderator. I just need them to be nice people. Yeah. To be fair. To be just. And to actually take each situation with an open mind. I think the specific mod tools can be trained, but the kindness needs to be there first. It can't be hard. You can't be hard. You got to really just get into it. Just like one of my favorite sayings, treat everybody as you yourself want to be treated. Let's see. So I I have two more questions in this category, but I wonder if we've already talked about them. I am so happy to ask them in case it helps reveal something you, you haven't said or thought of yet. But if you feel like it's been asked and answered, we can skip them. So my next question, how does the transverse approach community and what does the community mean to you? The transverse is not exclusively for just transgender people. It is for some, we've made it now where we actually have allies in there. I actually have a moderator that is an ally as well. And the reason why is because I have a mod, I have an ally room in in the server at first people thought it would be controversial i thought it would be helpful and it's tended to be helpful yet sometimes a little controversial because of the animosity from years ago between cisgender people and transgender people but it's tended to become quite helpful for a lot of people beyond our community to help understand. Although they might not know how we feel, they stand beside us. They support us. They root us on. I think that's very important. I love that Transverse is taking that step and doing it. We're reaching out community in different places too, doing a lot of inclusive things for getting the word for, or the name for the Transverse out there, getting our, getting people to come watch our shows, getting people to come into the server and, or stage events like we've done. If you want to learn something or know something or, or hear some past experiences that may help you, our stage events are huge for that, a huge tool that not a lot of people use, but you can hear stories like this. Yeah, you can't see us, but you can hear us. And we're the same person regardless. But yeah, we reach out wherever we can. And I want to take it even further. I'm not done in this community. And I want to give back to this community what it's given me. And that's a sense of peace and respect and love. And here they come. But important, excuse me, I'm sorry. It's been very important to me to be a part of this community. And 
I can't uh, say enough about the people that I interact with every day. There's definitely a reason I've had three or four of you from the Transverse on the show. It's because it's such a wonderful, beautiful community. The content is great. The community is great. The stage events are great. I've really enjoyed all the different ways that I've interacted with the Transverse. And it's really special to find a place that's supportive of people's gender journey. It's such an intimate thing. And especially if you go through rejection of family, of origin or lovers or what have you, to find a place where people like love you for who you are today and don't have weird expectations about you being a boy or being a girl or being a whoever. <laughs> like. It's magic. It's really magic. Yeah. No. Here's a hug if you want it. I just love it. I'm sorry. You don't apologize for loving people and having feelings about them. It's okay. It's really nice. (laughs) I'm good. You're great. (laughs) As are you. Thank you. For anyone listening and also having feelings, Feel free to tell the people who organize the communities you love that you love the community they work hard on. Because I can tell you, for me at least, there are times when I'm like sitting in my room and it's late at night and the server's quiet and I'm just like, gosh, this is a lot of work. I wonder if it's helping anyone. Tell tell us it's meaningful to you. It's like the best thing ever. (laughs) We just need to know. It helps us keep going. These are people that the staff that we have are in transfers, they're volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. They don't get paid. They're volunteering their time yeah. to help out with this community. But let me tell you, 2001, you wouldn't see this. It would be inclusive transgender people. It would be inclusive non-binary people. Everybody would have their own inclusive club. And for these people, no matter who you are, what you do, what you believe in, how you identify, come together I don't have an immediate family anymore other than my son. But what I do have is I have family and family doesn't necessarily mean they have to be blood related. And I have found a huge family here. And let me tell you, if there's anything in my life that ever comes up um, that I can't handle, I got so many people to help with that. Yeah. But I also give it back too. Yeah, totally. The last question on the topic of the transverse I have, which again, maybe has been asked and answered, is with your own personal transitioning, where do you find the strength and patience to help others in the community? I was there when I was transitioning, even this time, I was trying to reach out to people because that sense of inclusiveness was huge. It's huge for you. It's actually really good to have people you look at people people you don't necessarily need to be them but just the relation on how my transition is to maybe there's some similarities in yours there's some similarities in your wife's there's some similarities in everybody's but we're not alone and for the longest time i know um back when i first started doing this i felt more alone than i ever have when i came out this time I went out and I started trying to make friends and trying to understand more and things like that. And it was just, it would seem like it would go one way and it would be a dead end. And then I would go try another one. It would be a dead end. And one night I sat there and said, 
I will say this, if I ever get to that position where I transition and I can start being more of a voice in this, more getting into being into the community and advocating for the community, I will never turn my back on anybody. And anybody and everybody that talks to me, I will talk back. And I have lived by that since coming to the transverse. It is helping people has been my passion. It's not my job. It's not my, it's not my everyday roll into work, get paid for job. It's my passion. It makes me thrive in my own transition to be better, to want to be better. I think the most, those most important part of transitioning is confidence. And once you start helping people and seeing the beauty in this community, community, your confidence will grow. Mm-hmm. That I can guarantee. Yeah. Is there anything else about the transverse or organizing trans community generally that you want to say before I ask my two standard wrap up questions? No, I, I do know that we've got some new things coming. So if you ever, if you want another server to go to or something a little bit different and, and trust me, we have Meowster here on our stuff over there as well, working with some new things coming in too. I'm not going to say, I'm going to let that just happen. But I will say this, it's a great place. There are some great people. It's a, it's a beautiful server. And if anybody ever needs any help <clears throat> or just wants to talk or needs a little bit of guidance or anything like that, it's one of the best places to be. And I can tell you right now, my DMs are open to anybody. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I get a lot of them and I answer every single one. Yay. Every single one. So when that person <laughs> asked me, when do you find time for yourself? I don't know. Because I do. I answer a lot of DMs and everything too, or I'm helping other people in crisis situations. And I, I actually recently, that's a new thing that I did. I just finished a crisis class for, for the Trevor Project. So now I'm trying to do some crisis prevention. I'm not a paid employee by, by no means, but I do volunteer for that as well. Or will be starting to. Sometimes I can find little moments for myself in simple activities, like walking to the mailbox. Like if I do it mindfully, put my phone in my pocket, I'm not looking at the server and I'm just like having a moment of presence. And I'm like, wow, those are pretty trees. Wow. There's the lake over there. Wow. The wind sounds nice or the sun feels good on my skin or what have you. This little micro presence practices helps me a lot. Shopping a lot. So I have a lot of me time. A lot. <laughs> That's so fun. I love that. Can you share an experience with gender euphoria? Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's been many times that, okay, so when I was coming out and I transitioned, and right before I was getting my um, license or my name legally changed and license done and everything like that, I had what's the whole dreaded carrying the old license with the old picture. I travel a lot for work and I stay in hotels. And so I had to show my ID daily Mm. to these hotels and, oh, ID and credit card, please. So it'd be like, hand it to them and go, look, I promise you it's me. Mm -hmm. I promise you. I'll sign an affidavit if you need me to. But nine times out of 10, the most beautiful part that comes back is, oh, you're fine. It looks mm-hmm. better. You look better right now than you did before anyway. Cool. That was my euphoric times. And it happens, it still happens to this day. Well, it doesn't happen anymore because I have a license with my own picture and my own name on it now. But still, when people know that I'm transgender, 
and I actually showed them a picture of me before I transitioned, they go, ooh, okay, wow, for one, but for two, hey, you look incredible now. So Mm -hmm. for me, that's just really euphoric. That's a euphoric time for me. My wife also looks better now than she did pre-transitioned. She's been on HRT for seven years. I'm so proud of her. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like to think I get handsomer every day. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I'm digging the hair on the neck thing. Oh, yeah. Although I thought that was a pain when I was male and I hated it. (laughs) But I can tell. It's warm. In the winter, it'll keep me warm. I don't need a scarf anymore. (laughs) That's true. I just disliked the um, itchiness to it. Yeah. For me, it's like long enough now that it's not itchy. Maybe it's just soft because it's new hair, but anyway, I like it. Okay, so my final question for you today is, what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary slash trans slash intersex issues? Wow. If you had like a 30-second like clip, soapbox clip, what would you say? That's a loaded question, but (laughs) such a beautiful one. Being transgender is not... It's not ugly. It's not different. It's unique. It's uniqueness. It's first and foremost, I'm a woman that happens to be transgender. I don't flaunt that in public other than my community. I don't go out and say, oh, I'm a transgender woman and you need to get that right. I go out as a woman who happens to be transgender if they do ask. Be yourself. Be, be in love with yourself. Be in love with your life. Picture yourself doing it and it'll happen. But be unique. Be positive and love, love, love everything that you do. Once you happen to have that, your dysphoria will go away. Your depression will go away and life begins to happen. I love that so much. Danny. for anyone who would like to connect with Danny, as you've heard, her DMs are open. Danny's handle on most socials is Danny underscore G underscore 1971. On Facebook, she's Danielle Kennedy Galleon. How do you say your yes. Galleon? I'm kind of proud of you. Like oh. a ship, like a pirate ship, a galleon. Like a, like a, a Spanish uh, pirate or a Spanish ship's um, galley or eatery, a galleon. I love that. You can also catch up with Danny at the Transverse, and we've seen the hyperlink for that in the chat a couple times. You'll also find it in the show notes at https colon slash thetransverse.net. And then if you go to the part that's forward slash about dash the dash transverse, T-R-A-N-S-V-E-R-S-E, you can find all kinds of information about the Transverse over there. If folks will hang out for just a minute, we're actually going to raid to the Transverse. You can go see the show that they're producing this evening. But for now, I will say thank you to Danny for being our guest. It's been such a pleasure having you here. So next week, coming soon, we are going to celebrate our 50th episode next week. We'll have a special guest, Ladyboy Gigi, who is another uh, wonderful trans elder who is going to be discussing sacred harlotry. So we're going to be talking about paganism, using sex and sacred sex as a way to interact with the divine. And just as an extra content warning for next week's episode, it is definitely going to be 18 plus. We're probably going to get into some not safe for work things. So the the stream will be mature next week. And I've alerted the editors that we need to have a special process for that. And it should be a great show. So if you come back next week, you can catch that. 
Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. Feel free to join us live on Twitch on Mondays, check out the replays on YouTube on Fridays, and keep an eye on our favorite podcasting platforms for edited audio-only versions. As Nefertiti and the kittens like to say, trans rights are human rights. That's right. Thank you.